that's a growler. Welcome to another episode of Popcorn and Pickles. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey. This is the podcast where we talk about movies, new and old, and anything else we feel like talking about. And tonight we're going to be discussing the brand new movie of Spider-Man Homecoming. That's a, that's a pretty big one this summer. If I remember correctly, Sony Columbia has the licensing rights for three Spider-Man movies. They did two with Andrew Garfield, felt that those stunk, flushed it, and now it's been rebooted to be included in the Marvel Universe. And so it is my understanding that the licensing has now expired with Spider-Man Homecoming and that Spider-Man's coming home to live at Marvel Studios under the Disney umbrella. So I'm excited about that. It is very, very exciting. So let's first talk about expectations for this movie. Were you excited to see this movie? For me, you know, it's really hard to say whether or not I was excited. I wanted to see it over Wonder Woman. And that was interesting uh, in and of itself, just the decision between Spider-Man Homecoming and Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman had gotten these great ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. But this is my thought. Wonder Woman is the very first, I think maybe ever, standalone female superhero movie. So people that have been screaming for a movie like this are going to way overcompensate and make sure that this movie looks like it's the greatest movie of all time. So you got that going for it, against it. Then on top of that, Batman has been at with Ben Affleck. Are you kidding me? Man of Steel? I'd rather just flush the DC universe and go with Marvel. So it was a no-brainer for me going into Spider-Man Homecoming. I was first introduced to this kid as Spider-Man in Captain America Civil War, but I'm not sure that I've still seen the whole movie because I think I've only seen them fighting in the previews and with other people watching it here in the house. So expectations? I was expecting to see a solid eight. What about you? I did not know much about this movie coming out. I knew that the boys were looking forward to watching it. But for me, I had no expectations one way or the other. I don't even think I've seen a preview for it, really. So uh, I guess I was almost not looking forward to seeing it just because there have been so many Spider-Man movies recently, which you kind of already touched on. You knew when you had the initial Spider-Man series, like I call it initial. Was there anything before the Tobey Maguire series? Yes, there was. Oh, well, there you go. So I don't, I don't know nothing about Spider-Man apparently. So for me, the initial series is Tobey Maguire. Um, and then there was the other one, which you mentioned, which I don't even know anything about. I, I do remember watching them, but it meant so little to me that I promptly forgot all of it, except for that they kill what's her name. Um, Emma Stone is, is the actress, but yes. I think she was a hybrid of characters. I'm not sure. Those, those Andrew Garfield ones really confused me. Yes. So that's the only thing I remember about that was that they killed Emma Stone's character. Um, so anyways, I did not have any real expectations going into this that it would be good. I guess I was expecting it to be kind of bad, actually. Well, before we, we go on and, and start talking about the movie... Tell me a little bit about your history with Spider-Man as a character. Did you grow up with him? Did you know who he was? Was Tobey Maguire your first introduction to Spider-Man? What is your personal history with Spider-Man? That's a tough question, just because I'm having a hard time remembering anything before Tobey Maguire. I knew that Spider-Man existed as a superhero or a comic book story, but that's all I remember. I mean, I remember the little jingle from my childhood, you know, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever. I don't know the rest of the song. Yeah, there was an animated cartoon that... Maybe that's what it was then, because I seem to remember something with... I was going to say, was it animation? Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's probably what it was. I, I knew who he was, but I never read comic books or anything, so I'm a pretty bad point of reference. Spider-Man's a big deal in my world, because Spider-Man... He may have come before Superman, but I, I really think that he did. And let me tell you why. My first introduction to Spider-Man was when 
there was a TV show when I was a kid that would come on after Sesame Street called The Electric Company. The Electric Company had Spider-Man shorts where they made it look like it was a comic book, but then they would zoom into live action. And they sang that song, the Spider-Man song, during those episodes of The Electric Company or those, those um, shorts during The Electric Company. On top of that, growing up, we had a Polaroid of Spider-Man, my brother, my mother, and me. In the picture, this was my first meeting Spider-Man, and he didn't talk. He looked just like Spider-Man, but he didn't say anything. And it really just scared me. It creeped me out. And in the picture, I'm crying because I'm wetting my pants (laughs) because I was so afraid. And even as when I saw that later in my teenage years, like I flashed back to that moment. I was I was wetting my pants as that photo was being taken. Where was this? This would have been at Cross Creek Mall in Fayetteville, North Carolina. I think, you know, the the way they'll have the Easter Bunny and different mm-hmm. things. I, they had Spider-Man. Come meet Spider-Man. Interesting. And and we went, my brother's all beaming ear to ear. My mom's smiling in her late 70s, early 80s, get up, whatever it was. It was probably 79, maybe, maybe 80. And uh, and there I am in, in a light blue Adidas shirt pants that uh that were almost like onesie pants because they 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 had the snaps at the bottom and they were wet (laughs) so so on that note there's a little anecdote for me and (laughs) spider-man well hopefully this was less traumatic than that so well i'm just trying to say you know i i I have some history with (laughs) spider-man uh let's jump into this plot and story one thing that i really loved about this version of the spider-man movie spider-man homecoming was how little time they spent on the backstory. Because I feel like if they would have spent any time on the backstory, I probably would have thrown up. Because we've had so many movies that touch on the backstory. And really, after the Tobey Maguire, it's like, I don't really want to know anymore about the backstory. We know that there was, you know, the uncle that dies and all this trauma that it puts him through. And I was like, we've already gone there. I really hope they don't make us go down that road again. So I was so grateful that they just glossed right on all past that stuff. Well, not only did they gloss past that, but they also updated it. Think about some of the things that were that were that were different. Okay, if I flash back to the Andrew Garfield, no, you know, I get them confused. I, I'm not even going to close my eyes and try to flash back. But at one point, the Tobey Maguire one, we saw Uncle Ben Uncle Ben get killed by the guy who robbed something or whatever. Right. So there's that one. But then Sally Field, who's two-time Academy Award-winning actress, was the mom, played Nora on the TV show Brothers and Sisters. I believe in the latest ones with Andrew Garfield, she played Aunt May. Yes, yes, that's correct. Now, now take Aunt May, for, for instance. There's a line about Aunt May before we meet her in this where an Italian man says, she's a very hot Italian woman. And my thought was, uh, Sally Field is, I mean, she looks good for her age. You know, if I'm her age, yeah, I'm going to date the woman. But hot Italian woman and Marissa Tomei, are you kidding me? That's Aunt May. And he never called her Aunt May. He just called her May. Right. So, so you had that. We had the, the newspaper photography all gone. Everything was updated. And I loved that they did that because it was such a fresh facelift for this franchise. Yes, I agree. So jumping into the plot a little bit more, the one thing that I disliked at the beginning, just visually, it kind of gave me a slight headache, was that we saw the way they made the link between the Avengers Civil War movie and this Spider-Man movie was showing us everything through Spider-Man's point of view recorded from his phone. So we had a very shaky sequence where you quickly saw glimpses um, and you kind of figured out they were from the Avengers movie previously that linked us to where we were currently in in this storyline. So while I did not appreciate the photography of that, I was glad that they did that because I'm like, okay, now I'm able to connect the dots very easily and we can jump right into this story quickly. 
You know, and and it's funny that you should say that because as sick as I am right now, I I did spend a a few days in the hospital, but I'm doing better. Howard Stern sat in for me. So thanks, Howard. Check out his show on XM if you like R-rated comedy. Anyway, um, it's interesting that you bring that up because until you leaned over and said, I'm getting sick, I was fine. And you made me sick. (laughs) Sorry. But what that's called is it's a new genre of film called found footage and so that actually started with a little movie called the blair witch project right i remember that and so some really good movies i'm going to plug two very highly entertaining movies that are found footage movies the whole way through i know you've seen one because we went to the theater to see it together can you think of it about three kids three kids that that were learning that they had special powers chronicle yes i enjoyed that movie that was one The second is called Project Almanac, and that's about a group of kids that find a time machine and the stuff they do with a time machine, and it is fantastic. Even features Imagine Dragon singing Radioactive at Lollapalooza. They they jump to Lollapalooza to watch them perform, and I mean, that's my favorite band. So, absolutely incredible. But... I see where you're going with one of the things that really got me was the introduction of Spider-Man. When we met him, he was still wearing his homemade costume with the goggles and everything. Mm -hmm. And one of the new updates and what an incredible way to, to really just refresh this. The Spider-Man suit was given to Peter Parker by Tony Stark and inside it, was a whole AI system just like Jarvis that he called Karen. How cool was that? That was really neat. So the voice in his suit is performed by, we just call her Donna because we don't know her real name, but she's from Suits if you've ever watched that TV series, which we really enjoy. That's a, a procedural courtroom drama that comes on the USA Network. Fantastic. Uh, so her voice is just so great. I mean, I love her voice anyways, but especially in this role, it was, it was perfect. So that was really neat. One of the things that I really liked about this, and you and I talked about this in the car afterwards, was the fact that Peter wasn't a total loner. It was so refreshing for him to have friends. And I really, really totally dug his, his Asian friend who basically ends up being to, to Peter as Spider-Man what Tom Arnold was to Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie True Lies. They were a team. So you've got someone out in the field that's doing all the glamour work and you've got somebody behind the scenes running the computer systems. And I just thought that was a brilliant way to bring them together. And I burst out laughing out loud when on a Friday night, their, their idea of fun was getting together to put the, the Lego Death Star together. That, that was awesome. Yes. Well, not only did they give him friends, but he just wasn't a downer. You know, before I always felt like Spider-Man, he just, at least the Tommy Maguire series, they just really made him kind of a depressing character overall. Not just that he didn't have friends, like his life was just full of sadness. I mean, other than being Spider-Man, it's like, dude, what do you have to live for? Versus <laughs> this kid, at least in this series, you know. He's, he's happy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a happy kid. He's a nerd, obviously. Like, he's a nerd. Um, but other than that, like, he's a happy nerd. He's got friends. He's got things he does. You know, he's got little crushes on girls. You know, he's not like He's trying to join the Avengers. Sad. I mean, the kid's got some stuff going for him. Yes. Yeah. So kind of just to wrap up with the plot. I mean, we don't want to give away the whole everything that happens here. But, you know, I mean, it's a Spider-Man story. So. There's not a lot of background that they give. It's, um, how would you even describe this plot-wise? Because a lot of it is the relationship between, you know, Spider-Man and Iron Man, Tony Stark, who's kind of his mentor of sorts. It's really pushing that relationship and turning it into a father-son type relationship. One of the things that I I further noticed to to bring up the relationships is, and, and whether you've seen this or not, I don't think we need spoiler alerts on this, but... Michael Keaton, fresh off an Academy Award for the movie Birdman, happens to play the vulture in this movie. And tell me he wasn't good. 
One of the major problems that I had with a movie that we saw earlier this summer was Fast 8 and Charlize Theron's motivation to take over the world. This man's motivation was clearly spelled out. His, the, the entire backstory was just there. I, I, would you mind talking a little bit about it? Because I've been talking a lot, but we talked about it in the car, just about how how he was forced to do what he ended up doing. Yes. And this is one thing I love, even in the DC side, they're doing this as well more recently. Um, But I went back and rewatched the Avengers civil war recently, kind of in preparation for, for watching the Spider-Man because I knew they were, they were somewhat linked. Um, And I couldn't remember just seemed so many superhero movies have come out recently. I tend to get them all jumbled up in my head. So I was trying to straighten some of that out. And in the Avengers Civil War, and then also in this movie, also in the Batman movie, all these movies, one of the aspects I've thoroughly enjoyed exploring and viewing is just these moral dilemmas and circumstances that the bad guys find themselves in because you really understand it's hard to really put them in a category of bad guy. I feel like these people are making granted, maybe not the best decisions, but they're almost forced into these situations. Could they have chose something different? Yes, but you do understand their motive and you feel for them. And so in this story, Michael Keaton's character, the vulture, he is him and his workers had a contract out. They won the contract to collect and salvage what was left from one of the past movies. I don't know which one exactly. It was the Avengers, the one where they destroyed the city. They were doing debris hauling and the debris hauling turned into separating the debris from the Shatari alien technology because the U.S. government wanted to study it. Right. And so while Micah Keaton was there, initially shows him with his guys, you know, collecting all this stuff, then somebody else comes in government wise and says, we're taking over this. And, and of course he's upset. And at some point in the conversation, he says, you know, I've hired men for this job. I've bought trucks for this job. We thought we were going to get it. We have a signed contract. They have families. Yes, they have families, you know, we're counting on this money and they're just like, well, too bad. We're taking over, you know, you're kind of up a Creek. And so that's what gets him on the path of choosing something different, making the best out of a bad situation that someone else put him into, you know, financially. Um, and that's kind of what started his, his uh, road down. I, I don't even want to say road down of evil. His road to perdition. Yeah. <laughs> his road of making poor choices. I mean, are they even poor? I mean, they were lucrative for a while. So, well, look, um, I mean, we, we saw, we saw the status of his family. And, and they were doing really well. And this is the amazing thing about Vulture as well. He only kept a few pieces. And it just so happened to have that alien technology. He hired a couple of guys that happened to be nerds. And they developed this technology. And they used it and sold it to other people that were like him. He wasn't a terrorist. He wasn't trying to take over the world. The guy simply wanted to provide for his family. And that government official comes in and says, well, it looks like you overextended yourself. And he looked and just, are you kidding me? We won this contract. We're doing this job. And you're going to do this to all of us. And just like the reality of Washington, D.C., they did not care. And it made it very real. So I knew, I felt his pain. And I thought, I'd be a vulture in a second. <laughs> I'd do it. Yeah. Well, and they weren't trying to hurt anybody. You no, know, initially, they were just trying, trying to provide. Let's get into this a little bit more and start talking about some of the characters and their performances that they gave. I want to start with Spider-Man himself, obviously. Spider-Man Homecoming. We're talking about him. So Tom Holland. Same character that they had playing Spider-Man for, obviously, the Avengers when he first made his little debut when we first meet him. I was curious how old he was because I thought he played 15 extremely well. He was very believable as a 15-year-old. He's actually 21. I looked it up today. So 
but he's got a very young looking face. And so. But a really developed body. That's why I thought, uh, he's like 19, 20, 21. That's what my <laughs> guess was. Right. But he's, when he got bit by the spider, you know, he obviously went from. Yeah, but that was, he didn't really get bit by the spider. He really looks like that. <laughs> I thought that Tom Holland did a really fantastic job. I really enjoyed his performance um, as Spider-Man, as a, a teenage kid, as a nerd, all the different roles that he had to play. I felt like he did really well. I enjoyed him. And in, at the same time, as I kind of said before, he's more of an upbeat you know, performance of the whole thing. What were your thoughts? I agree 100%. I think I went into this movie. I know we talked about expectations before, but that was expectations of the movie. I. Tobey Maguire has been my Spider-Man since Spider-Man, his version came out. Um, and, and I felt the same way you did. Every time, I mean, this poor kid, Tobey Maguire, shows up to see Mary Jane with chocolates and, and roses, and she has to find some way to just make him the bad guy. You know, it's like, that always bugged me in that whole hairy thing, too. I love that we didn't have that in there. but. The kid, Tom Holland, what else has he been in? Because I don't, I, I want to say, no, that was Asa Butterfield. I was going to say, I think he was in uh, that movie um, Ender's Game, but that, that's not him. That's a different kid. W what are some of his latest credits? Does it say? Okay, so basically he's an unknown. Right. So, and he's a British kid. <laughs> and he plays American very well. <laughs> he does. He, he, he really does. I really enjoyed his character. Tell me the name of the girl, the character name, his love interest. Liz Allen. Liz Allen. Okay. I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if she's a hybrid of different characters from different Spider-Man universes because there are several Spider-Man universes, but she's a multiracial girl. She's beautiful. And I thought she did really well, but I do have a bone to pick with her, her performance. She really was just kind of naggy and was always on just always sweating Peter. That's one of the things that bothered me because I felt that she should have been a little bit more upbeat to match him. So I see that he's physically attracted to her, but her performance to me just, just doesn't click for a love interest for someone who is upbeat and as excited as this kid was. It just didn't match the energy. Right. Um, I would agree with that as well. Laura Harrier is the actress's name. Uh, very pretty. Yeah, she looks like one of the Obama daughters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so she's beautiful. Um, I thought she, I mean, she did a decent job just playing a generic teenage girl, popular girl role. So that was fine. The girl that I really want to talk about, because I was really excited about her, what she did, uh, was... Zendaya? Yes, Zendaya. Yeah, Zendaya was awesome. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed her, per, her performance. Um, how would you describe her character? Like tomboy slash. She was, she was our boys rolled into a girl. I mean, her, her way of saying to her friends, I love you guys was double middle fingers. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that, that, and so, so counter to what she does on the Disney channel. You know, she's got a Disney channel show. She's, she does these makeup infomercials and everything. She's a gorgeous girl. They made her look unattractive <laughs> and gave her this, like you said, a tomboyish, very rough around the edges personality and it worked. She provided a lot of comic relief as well. <laughs> there was two things I remember specifically when they were at the... Oh, the Washington Memorial. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so when they were at the Washington Memorial and the teacher was trying to point something out and, and she's like, I really don't want to celebrate a building that was built by slaves. And he was starting to disagree with her. And then the, one of the guards kind of shook their head like, no, she's right. So it was just really funny. That was a funny line that she had. So the performance that you just referenced is Martin Starr. And I leaned over and kind of mentioned to you who he was. It's hard for me not to do that because I recognize these characters uh, or these, these actors from other performances. And Martin Starr plays in one of my favorite HBO comedies called silicon valley and he plays a devil worshiping coder who is got to be one of the funniest most he's got the most male bravado and he's so insulting 
to other people and their intelligence. He is fantastic. So to see him play against type where he, he's gotten these roles, it, it, it's just great to see him being corrected by a student, you know, when, when I'm so used to him being the smartest guy in the room in the other show. So I thought his performance really stood out to me. The one other person I wanted to talk about was uh, Jacob, the best friend. And I don't even know if he had a character name in the movie. I'm sure he did. I just wasn't paying that much attention. I really thought I loved his performance. We kind of mentioned him before, but this kid just wanted to be part of the action. He's a nerd as well, along with Spider-Man and, you know, loves building Legos. That's his excitement. Probably the funniest parts for, well, I mean, he had a lot of funny parts, but, you know, at the very beginning, obviously you kind of see this in the previews where he discovers that Spider-Man, Spider-Man sitting in the room and just that scene where he drops the Death Star that he's been working for hours to build. And then for the next few scenes, we see him basically bugging Spider-Man and asking him all these questions about his powers and people he's met and things that he's seen and done. And so it's just really cute. Um, one last person that I did want to discuss before we move on from this is um, Chris Evans, Captain America. Just when you go to watch the movie, he has, even though he's not really in the movie, he has got some hilarious scenes he steals a lot of scenes yes and to definitely stay until the very very end of this movie would you say it's worth it <laughs> you'll see what i mean when you see it uh let's move on to the uh, visuals slash audio mm, are we ready to go there are we ready for me to rip this thing apart yes let me hear it okay let's talk about visuals this is a tentpole movie all expenses all expense, no expense, I should say, should have been spared for this movie. And it really bugs me when animators from Pixar, with, the, with, with what they did in The Incredibles, which came out in 2003, 2004 time period, they learned how to make computer animated characters fall as if they're being pulled down by gravity and by weight. One of the biggest things that bugged me about the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies is that you would often see him finishing a swing, and when he came down, you could tell it was just very animated. It just didn't flow, and it just didn't look real. And this was all over this movie. I, it, every time I saw Spider-Man swing and let go, the weight transfer was so off, it just it made my brain melt every time I saw it. I could not stand it. And that very, very much determined what I felt overall about this movie. Because after I kept seeing that over and over again, I got really bored about four times in this movie where I was like, they got to do something. To ratchet this thing up. That's so interesting because I don't think I noticed any of that. That just tells you how non-technical I am and when I'm watching these movies. It's all about the, uh, the plot and the drama for me. Well, when a person falls from a building, they're going to have some wind resistance, but they're going to fall. Gravity is going to pull them down. And so when you see something that looks like Plastic Man and he's stretching, it's like, what is this nonsense? Yeah, no, I can, I definitely, now that you've talked about it, I can remember that and, and seeing that. I just didn't notice it the first time around. There was a lot of that in the, pre, the Star Wars prequels as well. Um, anything else visually you notice? I mean, I guess it's just kind of a typical superhero movie. You're going to see a lot of fighting and these big scenes, um, buildings. I thought it was fun for me to, because I didn't feel like I had to pay that much attention because it wasn't some origin film that I was going to get lost on the details and it wasn't a procedural where I needed to be picking up these little clues here and there. It was fun for me to look at the different sets and the locations that they were using and predict, okay, there's going to be a fight here. Oh, there's going to be a fight. Oh, look at all that space. Oh, there's space for Vulture to fly. Yeah, there's going to be a fight there. And so I was usually right. <laughs> Um, let's move on to audio. Anything you had to say about audio? It was okay. I didn't notice anything bad about it. Yeah, you know, they've got some songs in the background and 
I mean, it's an upbeat kind of movie, so you got more popish type songs in the background. They, they kind of almost have this ska type punk. I know some people will freak out over me using such general terms, but when when you played some of the music for us to kind of get into this, not only did I not remember many of the songs, but they kind of throw back to like a Green Day type sound. Would you agree? Yes, I can see that. So it, that that kind of feel, makes me feel displaced a little because Green Day takes me back, me back to my high school days. And maybe that's what they wanted. Yeah, maybe I think that's what they wanted. They wanted kind of a younger feel, I felt. Okay, that's fair. I was expecting Spider-Man, you know, not knowing anything about the movie previously, I was expecting him to be more, you know, graduation age, I guess is what I was expecting, like mm. 17, 18. So when he was only 15... And he said that I was very surprised that they, you know, made his character so young. And obviously a lot of what we see in the movie is him maturing and making, you know, choices for himself. Um, and that's all kind of part of growing up, if you will. But, but yeah, I wasn't expecting him to be as young as he was. One of the, one of the really funny things about this movie, and, and I'll be gentle when I say this, no spoiler alert needed, but when you hear about the different protocols Spider-Man has to go through. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's pretty funny. There's a lot of a lot of humor in this movie, which I really appreciated. Talking about humor, I would say that kind of rolls rolls right into uh, my likes for this movie. I enjoyed that it was high humor. I enjoyed that it was more upbeat, like generally happy. Um, speaking of happy, I did enjoy Happy the character. I think he's always a fun addition from Oh, Happy Hogan, yeah. Yes. <laughs> from uh, you know, rollover from the Avengers. I in I am really, really surprisingly loving the fact that they are rolling Spider Man into the Avengers. Because I remember when I first saw the glimpse of him in the Avengers Civil War, I thought, really? They're making Spider-Man part of this? Like, that doesn't even really fit. And so now seeing this movie, I'm just really excited about, you know, seeing him more and how they're kind of incorporating that. I think they've done an excellent job of throwing him into that with the other older, you know, and more established Avenger characters. Are you ready for this? Yes. Do you know who the original Avengers are? No. Captain America? Thor? The Hulk and Spider-Man. Spider-Man is most supposed to be there from the beginning. But there was this guy. And you know who he is. You just talked about him. And he had a vision of taking a B-rated comic called Iron Man that nobody read. Nobody read that thing. Taking a fresh spin on it. And his name was John Favreau. Do you recognize his name, John Favreau? Sounds familiar. Yeah, he played Happy Hogan. That's him. He's the guy who just directed the live-action Jungle Book. He's the one who's directing Donald Glover, you know, the African-American guy that Peter Parker meets and, with the trunk and he, his ice cream mounts. That he's directing him in the live-action, um, playing the live-action Simba in the new Lion King movie. This guy is like... He's, a, he's brilliant. Wow. <laughs> this guy, John Favreau, is something else. <laughs> and he plays Happy Hogan. <laughs> yes. Jack of all trades, I guess. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of all everything. This guy, I mean, the, the Marvel Universe has, is here because he made Iron Man and refused to do it without Robert Downey Jr. Wow. <laughs> so it's funny that most people... and. and Unless you had that kind of exposure, you wouldn't know that. And it would seem like, why are they fitting in Spider-Man? Well, Spider-Man was supposed to be there initially. <laughs> and so a lot of that had to go back to the rights as well, It goes back to the licensing rights. That's right. Before Marvel Studios, was when it was still comics, and before they were bought out by Disney, that's what they did. They licensed their, their, their stories and their characters out to other, other places. But the biggest pro challenge was, they didn't have the technology to do the kinds of things that we would see in Thor or in Iron Man. And now it's just like, now. It, well, everyone has the technology. So I guess that's why these movies are just booming right now. I guess so. I guess so. Because uh, we've got, uh, I know Black Panther is, is filming here in Atlanta right now. Um, is the Avengers 3 already under production or is that I, I like all the Marvel stuff is shooting here in Atlanta right now yeah. and they're building studios for Star Wars stuff too. I think there's a couple more Avengers movies that have already been announced and 
you know, in film production right now. I, I would need one of the boys to tell me more specifics. I don't we, remember we need offhand. We ask them when the Black Widow movie comes out. I'm sure they know. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's rate this thing. Okay, let's rate it. Don't really have any dislikes, really. Wow. Look at you. Easy to please. Easy. I'm very easy to please. Well, especially when you have zero expectations, it's easy to please. Um, would you want to go first? No, please. Okay. So I enjoyed the movie. I would not put it, you know, best movie ever. I definitely like it more than any of the other Spider-Man series movies. So I'm going to give it. So really quickly. So you think that this is better than the Tobey Maguire ones then? Well, yes. Because you said, you said at one point that Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man in your mind. So this guy, it worked. The reboot works for you. Yes, it definitely works for me. I am, would be perfectly happy going forward with Tom Holland as Spider-Man and just forgetting about Tobey Maguire's. I guess, as I mentioned before, my overall impression after watching all of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans was just kind of just a downer, you know? (laughs) I mean, really, how much comedy was in those movies, you know, compared to depressing scenes and heartbreak and sadness and drama with your best friend? And it's just, you know, it was entertaining and I didn't know anything about Spider-Man. And so that was kind of neat. I don't know. And there's something about Tommy McGuire, like just listening to him talk. There's this thing about his voice. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. Yes. And so he's not been my favorite character. I wish they would have picked, you know, not that the story was bad or the production bad or anything else, but I feel like if maybe there was a different person playing Spider-Man. I would have liked him more initially. Anyways, putting all that aside, we'll go back to this one. So you're comparing three movies against the one. And so I feel like that's kind of hard to do because there was so much they accomplished with those initial Spider-Man series. But if you put that aside and you just compare, you know, the first movie to this first movie, I definitely prefer Tom Holland over Tobey Maguire what as Spider-Man. What about Andrew Garfield? Or do you forget about him altogether? Oh, yeah. We just throw that one out the window. Yeah. My, my thing was Jamie Foxx is Electro, really? That got so silly. It reminded me of, you know, Batman Forever when they had Jim Carrey playing the Joker and Tommy Lee Jones as a Two-Face. It just got too silly. And I think that that's what happened with that one. So, scale of zero to ten. We're waiting. Okay, what is it? so... Final answer, I'm going to give it a seven. Wow, okay. Um, my turn? Yes. I'm going to give it a five. Whoa. I'm going to give it a five because I got bored. And when I get bored, I don't like it. When I'm paying to be entertained, I expect to be entertained. And when you lose me on your story and you have to do big things to get me interested again, it means your action sequences are too long. It means your character development is either in place and it's rolling and you're taking too long or it's just not there. It, I, I wasn't that entertained. And, and so I'm, I'm going to give it a five. So now can we talk about spoiler alerts? Yes. Okay. So for our listeners, if you have not seen the movie and you do not wish to know how this ends, this would be the point in the podcast where you would turn it off. I'm going to count to five. One, two, five, three. Okay. The first spoiler you wanted to discuss was... The only spoiler I want to discuss. The main spoiler. Well, I have another spoiler. Michael Keaton, go. So the major spoiler in this is when Peter Parker goes to pick up Remind me her name again. Liz Allen. Liz. He rings the doorbell of Liz's home. And who is standing in the doorway? The vulture. Michael Keaton. That's his love interest's father. Dun, dun, dun. That took me by surprise. Yes. That took me by surprise. And that just deepened the, the plot so much that in the end when we later see vulture in jail we don't know if he's protecting spider-man because his daughter is in love with peter parker or if he's protecting spider-man because he's saying that boy is mine what's he doing Oh, yeah, meaning he wants to kill him himself? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it, Yeah, he, 
Come on now. <laughs> He's in jail and his his he broke up his family. They're moving to Oregon. You mean to tell me he Peter Parker's not number one on his public enemy list? Right. Well, and that leads into my spoiler. So he goes to jail. Dad goes to jail. Dad slash Vulture goes to jail. His love interest, um, Liz, is now moving to Oregon. And then at the very end, we realize that Zendaya's character, who we've this whole sh- movie called Michelle, at the very end, one of the last scenes, uh, she becomes the captain of the little quiz bowl team. Yes. And they call her and she says, oh, my friends call me MJ. And so that's when we realize, like, oh, this is going to hopefully be the new, you know, love interest of of Peter Parker, or at least take on the MJ to satisfy the old fans who are who are purists. You know, there's that one of the other things. And since you you brought that up, I thought that it was interesting. I'm quite unfamiliar with the animated series that are currently running, featuring the Avengers and Spider Man. I know there's there's quite a few, and if I get this wrong. I do apologize, but I do believe that currently running on XD is a new Spider-Man universe. I want to say it's called The Ultimate Amazing Spider-Man. And in it, we have a biracial Spider-Man who is half African-American and half Latino. And he goes by the name of Miles Morales. In this show, Donald Glover, who makes an appearance in this movie, they brought it together. He does the voice of Miles Morales on the animated feature or on the animated series. So I think that that it's interesting that they're obviously we don't have Donald Glover playing Spider-Man, but is he going to play a role? Because Donald Glover isn't. I mean, he's the new Lando Calrissian for the new Han Solo movie. Mm-hmm. This guy's the new Simba. This guy is on board with. I mean, Disney has got this guy hook, line, and sinker, just like they do Lin Manuel Miranda. So. Is he going to become someone in this universe or are they just satisfying, you know, this is kind of a neat Easter egg that, hey, the voice, that's the guy who does the voice of Miles Morales that's on the Disney XD Spider-Man right now. So we really don't know. Right. What role was he in this movie, Donald Glover? I, I, I just remember the scene in the, in the car. He needed to get something out of his trunk. Remember, there was something about that. Oh, and, yeah, 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 and then, yeah, yeah. And then he... There, he was in two scenes. Yes. And they, they were featured scenes where, he, I mean, he had some, some talking parts. Oh, yes. So he was trying to buy the weapons initially. Is that he, what was going on? Yes. Okay, I don't And remember. then Peter Parker goes back to him because he's trying to get information about who he was trying to buy it from. And he gives him that speech about, you need to be better at doing your job. And That's right. This okay. whole thing. So it was a really interesting moment between Spider-Man and him playing. I guess he doesn't have a character name because he wasn't ever called anything. But I loved when Spider-Man was walking away and he said, hey, that webbing's going to dissolve in two hours. And he's like, what? Two hours? I got ice cream in the car. <laughs> that just cracked me up. That was one of the other things I thoroughly enjoyed was that despite having having a stark tech suit which again brings a whole new dimension to spider-man seeing his pov not not the found footage stuff but seeing his pov seeing everything that's being calculated like jarvis i mean that was that's so new and that's so great to do for spider-man but despite having all that tech he was still using the web fluid that he was making in science class. That was still pretty cool. Yes. I got up a couple times to use the restroom, and I even went and refilled our popcorn and our drink because I had lost interest in the movie. (laughs) So in case you were wondering why I was so willing to walk out, when I'm that willing to walk out, it means I've hit a low point where it's like, okay, I'm disconnecting until something good happens. Oh, well, since we're talking about that, the only thing we have left to talk about really is who we would recommend this movie to, given that John gave it a five and I gave it a seven. This movie is definitely geared towards the, you know, younger teenage crowd. Millennials, for sure. And, of course, anyone who loves the Avenger movies and that whole series. I, I, would, I would agree. Um, I, I, I would recommend this movie. I think most people will, will enjoy it. Um, people like me that have a technical background, it's, it's tougher to enjoy and to put yourself into that entertainment mode. Sure. For that very reason, I can't watch comedies 
where they're filmed before a live studio audience because I've interned on shows and I've worked on shows where we're behind the stages. I've been a, a director calling the shots, telling the four different cameras what kinds of angles to get. Ready camera two, take camera two. Camera three, I need you to get a wide shot of this. That's what I hear when I watch those shows and I cannot relax. I'm, I'm doing okay with last man standing. <laughs> but other than that, you, any, any show that you put me down that's been shot in front of a live studio audience, just check me out because it's not happening. I don't know why I even brought that up. But. <laughs> so, um... Oh, it, just being hard for me to settle into being entertained when I when I'm thinking technically. Right. And you wouldn't be thinking technically if you were entertained. So. Right. Well, and again, you know, while I gave it a five, I still highly recommend this movie and I think most people will enjoy it. Yes. And it's very family friendly. So you don't have to worry about anything watching this movie. Your little kids can watch it and your big kids can watch it. Was there any, there was like, there's no sex. Mm -mm. Was there any swearing? If they said, said it, I didn't, I didn't catch it. I don't think so. I mean, maybe little kids might be scared of Vulture, but he's nowhere near as scary as that freaking mask on the, the original, the, the Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, the Green Goblin. That mask tripped some people out. That was scary. So this movie is rated PG-13. But yes, I would agree. The Vulture is a very, I mean, he's not really very scary. I he, mean, he's a normal dude. Yeah. He's <laughs> just a normal guy trying to make his way in the world. Yes. <laughs> yes. There was definitely no, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great movie. The, the moral choices that are made here are so ambiguous because when, when you understand why people do what they do, I mean, it, it's, it's, it would be like saying to Robin Hood, uh, yeah, what you're doing is wrong. We know you're stealing from the rich and you're feeding poor people, but, you know, um, Jean Valjean, uh, Javert, let's talk about Les Mis. Let's, you, you see what I mean? It's just, mm-hmm. come on, people. <laughs> okay, well, is there anything else you want to discuss? Or are we pretty much ready to wrap this up? I'm, uh, let's talk about our, our next movie. Maybe we can just riff for a second on, on what we want to see. Can you think of any, some, I would really like to see Baywatch next. I'd love to review Baywatch. And I think that one's been out for a little while now, so it's kind of an older I think movie. it might be leaving theaters soon. <laughs> we'll have to go to the Dollar Theater. Ooh, I don't, I would, I kind of like my shoes and don't want them sticking to the floor. <laughs> That's the joy of the dollar theater. Yeah, and then you sit down and the whole row rocks back. <laughs> That's the dollar theater. Um, any trailers real quick that you saw that you loved? Jumanji. Cannot wait. Jumanji will explain a lot of my imagination. <laughs> Well, and it was funny because as With we the were Rock and Kevin Hart yeah. and Jack Black, <laughs> as we talked about it before, I feel I was like I feel like The Rock right now. I would pretty much watch anything that had The Rock in it right now. I just I'm totally in love with this dude as far as actors are concerned. Oh, and you just watched another movie. You watched a movie with The Rock last night. The other guys. Oh yes, I did watch the other guys, and sadly he was you know killed in like the first ten minutes of that movie. So well, was it the first ten minutes? He was he was trying to save the city. He jumped from the top of a building with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, aim for the bushes. One of the things I I know that we probably won't get around to to uh, reviewing, but it is a movie that I've I got to see um, with my brother in law Jason and one of my best friends, Mr. Jim, called Django Unchained. Oh, we are definitely not ever watching. I would, I would love to do a podcast on that because Mm-mm. I, I got to see it no, thank you. twice in the last couple of weeks, once including in the hospital. kind of makes you wonder about the stuff they let us watch in the hospital. But uh, I would, that, what a great movie. What a great movie. And the Spider-Man, talking about the Spider-Man movies, got me thinking about Jamie Foxx because Jamie Foxx played Electro in the last one. Um, the last Andrew Garfield one. And I see him in a movie like Django Unchained and I think, dude, how how on earth did you get up every day and come to go to work playing this ridiculous electro character? I mean, you were this nerdy dude who fell into a bunch of gunk. Are you, come on, bro. You're so much better than this. <laughs> anyway, I'm a big fan of Jamie Foxx and I don't know if he's doing anything soon, but... I, I highly recommend if if you can deal with ultra ultra 
uh, Extreme Violence, Quentin Tarantino's movie, Django Unchained, is one to check out. Western, awesome show. Awesome obviously has a wide range here, folks. Uh, Tonight, let's talk about our energy. Okay. Why don't you go first? Uh, So my energy tonight was brought to you by homemade ice cream that somebody at work made for me mixed with... um, Wow. Oreo cookies and... Thanks for sharing. Crumpled up... Crumpled up Butterfingers. So did they make the homemade ice cream at work for you? Yes. So they made the ice cream at work? Yes. Wow. They brought in the they ice cream really churn. Like you. Well, it wasn't just for me. It was for everybody. Well, you, the way you say it, it sounds like somebody brought it in for you. And I'm like, wow, someone's got a crush on my wife. Wow. <laughs> no, it was I for guess everybody. I better step up my game. <laughs> it was for everybody. It was, and it was electric churn. So we didn't sit there and churn it by oh, hand. Oh, one of those like, the rock salt and all that stuff. Yes. And it was extremely loud. Cool. So tonight, my energy was brought to you by Monster Energy Zero Ultra, a few Willy Wonka pixie sticks, some black cherries that are red and maroon, some red grapes that are actually purple, and (laughs) I think that's it. Could you see the confusing world we live in? It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, so... Oranges make sense. Hope you... uh, Oranges, yeah, it kind of does make sense. Oranges are orange. Well, why don't we call apples reds? I don't know. That's a good question. Or That's gr- what doesn't make sense. <laughs> and how many shades of red? Uh, we won't even get on the Crayola box. That makes me crazy. So anyway, I have thoroughly enjoyed recording this podcast tonight, as I always do. And I hope that our, our 12 listeners will stay tuned. Uh, one day, we just might be the most popular show on the planet. Well, we are the most popular show on our planet, at least. We are. So thanks for listening. Subscribe, all that fun stuff. We are on the Growler Media Network. They also do have a brand new podcast um, added to the network, which we're super excited about, the Never Ending Minute. While that sounds confusing, it's a minute-by-minute podcast that talks about the never-ending story, minute-by-minute. Oh, my gosh. So it's a never-ending minute. If you listen to it, it will never end. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on our eternal minute of minutes of... No, I don't know. Wow, something is really different on a growler.